0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel Elmani. Bible today, let's open up to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, today we study the account of the rich young ruler. It's a great story. How many of you have heard of it before? The rich young ruler. Uh, we know uh, that he was young. Matthew 19:20 tells us that. We know he was a ruler. We'll see that today. And we know he was rich. All the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that he was very, very wealthy. What we see in looking at our study today is a few things, because you know how I like to put handles on things, at least I try to anyway, so that at least you can come away with maybe remembering something. I think it's a word to the religious, those who are just religious. I think it's a word to those who are just physically rich. It's a word of warning. And then in the end we're going to see today not just a word to the religious and the rich, but also to those who are real. Any of you here real today? Are, are you the real deal, man? Are you like, you know, Joy was talking about this movie. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you, come. Because, you know, there's the saints and the angels. There are those who know the Lord, those who don't. And those who are There are those who are, are fickle in their commitment to Jesus Christ. They're not... True followers. And so if you're a true follower, you're going to make sacrifices. If you're a true follower, you know you're going to pay the price. It's a price that we have to pay in following the Lord, going against the flow and against the grain of even who we are. You know, and and, and what we're going to see today though is that the Lord says, But don't lose heart, because I I will reward you. That follow me. And so, the religious and the rich and the real. Look what we read in verse 18. He says right here, Now a certain ruler asked him, speaking to Jesus, and saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's, a, it's an important question, huh? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Mark tells us that Jesus was going out of the city already, and the rich young ruler, he just came running, and he, and he knelt at the feet of Jesus, and he asked him this question. He seemed very sincere, this certain ruler. Now, the interesting thing is the word ruler, it speaks of a chief, a leader, a commander. And so more than likely, this young man was a leader. Think about this. A leader in the local synagogue. A leader, you know, I guess you could say in the church. And when you think about that for a second, you're like, well, wait a minute. Why is the religious leader coming and asking how to get to heaven? I mean, wouldn't he know that already? And, and they should, but the truth is, many of them don't. There are many pastors, there are many priests, there are many leaders, religious leaders, who, uh, not only, you know, don't know the way, they themselves are not on the way. They don't know the Lord. Just because they have a caller or a title or a position, it doesn't mean that they necessarily know the Lord, right? Just because one is a religious leader doesn't necessarily mean that that one is saved. You gotta be a real follower of Christ. You see, religion and position apart from God will leave a man empty inside. And so this man came to Jesus. You know, he just came, knelt before him. Why? Because he wasn't there yet. He knew when he was honest with himself, and that's the thing, you gotta be honest with yourself. He knew something was missing in his heart. Right? And I think that that's where we have to start, you know? I mean, do you really know the Lord? Oh, my parents were Christians. It doesn't make you a Christian. And you go to church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's is not make you a cheeseburger, right? <laughs> you come to church, a big deal. What do you do all the other days? You know, are you a committed follower of Jesus Christ? See, you got to be real. This guy wasn't real, he was just real religious. And What we're going to see in our study today is that you're never going to do what Jesus asks you to do if you don't really realize who he is. You know, This guy came to Jesus and he said, uh, Good teacher. Notice that again in verse 18. Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now in those days, that was a radical statement. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that never in the writings of Jewish culture do we ever find a rabbi called good. They would never say that. The rabbis only believed that God was good and his law was good, and no one else was good. And it's true. But see, here's the problem. The rich young ruler came to Jesus, and and, and he says this good teacher thing, But he doesn't really know what it means. And so look what the Lord says in verse 19. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Maybe you're here today and you esteem him highly. That guy over there, he's a good guy. No, he's not. (laughs) He's wicked. Oh, she's a good gal. No, she's not. Not apart from Christ. The bottom line is the Bible teaches that there's no one good but God, right? Is God good? When? All the time God is good, isn't he? The Bible says in Psalm 86 verse 5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy. All those who will call upon you, you will forgive. God is so good, right? There's that scripture over in Psalm 119 verse 68, You are good and do good. Teach me your ways, O Lord. You see, God is so good that the Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that's amazing to me, because I know that some of you here are going through tremendous trials. Some of you here, you put yourself in your own storm, but others you didn't. You've just been following the Lord, and you find yourself just... In these places that are so hard to handle. And you're like, well, what good can possibly come out of this? And and I don't know what good, but I know that good will come out of this. Because the Bible says, all things work together for good. to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You see, God is good all the time, in all the ways. Now here we see this rich young ruler going to Jesus, and you know, he doesn't really know who the Lord is. He calls him a good teacher. And, and, you know, a lot of people see Jesus that way, huh? Just a good teacher. Typical teacher, random rabbi, passing prophet, another one of the guys, right? if that's the case, obviously you're not going to bow to him. The Lord wants them to begin to think about these things. Because we need to know a few things, you guys. Number one, we need to know who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? God, right? Almighty, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, second person of the Trinity. And we need to know, secondly, who we are. And we need to see that. That's why we read in verse 20. Look what the Lord says. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. You kids, underline that part right there, would you please? Honor your father and your mother, right? Matthew tells us that Jesus simply said, keep the commandments, and then the young man said, well, which ones? And Jesus then quotes five of the ten commandments, number seven, six, eight, nine, and number five, right? Right? And it's a kind of an interesting answer. If you think about this, you guys, what would you say to someone who came to you and said, how do you get to heaven? Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What would you say? I'm pretty sure most Christians would not have responded this way. If someone comes up to you and asks you, how can I be saved? You say, keep the commandments. Wait a minute. I mean, is that how it works? We're saved by works? Now here's what we need to understand the heart of the Lord now. You know, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, it, it does say that if we keep the law, we'll live. Uh, it says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And so, technically speaking, what Jesus was saying was true, but here's the problem. No one other than Jesus was able to do that. If you basically what the Lord is saying is, you want to go to heaven? Live a perfect life. You're like, okay, I think I've done that. (laughs) Yeah, right, you liar. No one here has lived a perfect life, right? I mean, no one can. The only one that's ever lived a perfect life is Jesus Christ. And so he's basically, what's he trying to do? He's trying to show him who he is. He's trying to make him think about, you know, who I am, Jesus You're a good teacher. It's obvious, man. The anointing, the presence of God is all over you. The love. There is no one like you. I can see it. That's why I come to you. I kneel before you. I ask you how to get to heaven. I know who you are. Now I need to know who I am. See, that's where we need to be in order to be saved. I mean, the bottom line is, what we see is that Jesus is God. He died for us on the cross. And we are sinners. All of us here. And we fall short of the glory of God. We're all lawbreakers. Warren wiersby said this, Jesus didn't quote the law to bring him to salvation as a means of salvation through the law. He simply held the law up as a mirror to reveal to this man his sins. Have you ever done that? You look in the mirror and you're like, oh man, you know, something's on my teeth or something's on my face or... What's that bald spot there? I don't know. Have you ever done that? Looking in the mirror and you notice things that need to change? And that's what the law is. It's like a mirror. It says, Manny, you fall way short. Manny, you're, you're a sinner. And you're in trouble because the Bible teaches that if you are a sinner separated from God, that the wages of sin is death. Left in that condition, all of us here will go to hell. Every single person here... If you were to die in your sins, you would be judged by God. And so that's what the Lord is trying to bring him to that place of realization, that place of desperation, that you're trapped, you're on this slide, that slippery slope to hell, and there's no way out. There's nothing you can do now. You see, if the young man was honest, he would have said, Lord, I can't keep the commandments. I've tried and I've failed miserably all my life. If you were to come to this church, and let's just say you heard from this pulpit, me say, okay you guys, you want to go to heaven? Live a perfect life. Wouldn't you say, dude, I can't. Nobody can. That's what he was supposed to say. But notice what happens right here in verse 21. Look what this guy said. He says, all these things I have kept from my youth, it's kind of funny, huh? How some people really think that of themselves. You know, you ask them, "Have you ever sinned?" And they're like, "You know what? I don't think so." You know, well, you're sinning right now, right? Because you're lying, right? And you, kind don't want to tell them. You know what? That that's disgusting. You're being dishonest. If someone says, "You know what? I don't need God. I'm fine," we might even be tempted to say, "Okay, then." Die in your sins, man. i got to go talk to somebody else. But you want to know what the Bible says? In Mark chapter 10, verse 21, at this point, of all points, the Bible says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. There is this young man, selfish, self-indulgent, self-righteous. And there is the Lord just looking at him with the eyes of love. Somehow in his very look, the love of the Lord was evident, was radiant, it was magnificent, just as it is today for all of those who don't believe. God's love is here for you. you know, I don't know how you came here today. Maybe a friend invited you, maybe it was a family member. You know, maybe you are at the lolly cup and you're like, Hey, I'm going to go check this out. I don't know how you got here. From a physical standpoint, we don't know the explanation. I don't, but I do know this. If you're here today and you're listening, God brought you here today because God loves you. God doesn't want you to die in your sins. God doesn't want you to live a life of bondage, addictions, emptiness, religion. God wants a real relationship with you. God wants you to be his son. God wants you to be his daughter. God loves you. And even though you might be here, and you, you think, well, I'm not worthy. Well, none of us are. You see, God loves us, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so what does the Lord do? The Lord then reaches him. He doesn't, you know, turn away. He says there in verse 22, So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now if that was you, if you were that rich young ruler, what would you do? Some of you here, I I think you would be like, cool. Imagine Imagine walking with God, literally, physically. Walking with God, living with God every day of your life. What could be more important than that? Nothing. I mean, you'd sell everything, right? That's what Christianity is. It's walking with God. Every day of your life. Why is it that some won't? Why is it that some hold on to things that get in the way between them and the Lord? You know, here we see the this rich young ruler comes to Jesus with the most important question. How do I get to heaven? And the Lord says, well, first think about who I am. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Keep the commandments. He said, well, I've done these things ever since I've been a young boy. Yeah, right. Okay, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you come and follow me. You know, just in case you're here for the first time, I need to tell you that if this is all you read, you might conclude that we are a cult. They're telling me to sell everything. They're telling me I got to go live up on a hill, be a monk, and you know that kind of stuff, right? Give it to the poor, and you know, follow Jesus. But, you know what, i got to say that these are not the divine details for everyone. These are the words to the rich young ruler. They're personal precepts for him, right? And in looking at these, what we find is that this young man obviously struggled with possessions. He had come to a very common place for many people where they don't possess things. Things possess them. And what Jesus is basically saying is get rid of anything that would come before me. You know, we find it usually in three categories. Their possessions, their ambitions, or their relations. And they get in the way of God. And God says, don't let anything get in the way between you and me. Because this is heaven and hell. This is very important. You know, on Friday, Henry and I went to In-N-Out for lunch. It's awesome, man. Which, you know, just as a quick side note, back in the day, that was a complete confirmation that God wanted us in this building. I mean, wouldn't you be blessed to work across the street of India? Anyway, we were there, right? And as we were there, we struck up a conversation with a young man, a young man, and we invited him to church service. He said, hey, come, check it out, right? To which he basically replied, I can't. I am working really hard to get my degree And so what he said is he didn't have the time to go to the church. He was really saying he doesn't have time for God. Because God said, I'll meet you there. God said, don't ever stop going to church. Hebrews 10.25. But what ends up happening? We put things before the Lord, right? Ambitions, relations, possessions. Those relations ones, that's the killer, man. How many guys do you know that chose a girl over God? How many girls do you know that chose a guy over God? How many people do you know that, in all reality, they chose gold over God? And the Lord here, He's speaking to the young man. He's speaking to this rich young ruler. How many of you here are young? Said curiosity. Go ahead, raise your hand. All right, Karen, I'm proud of you, man. Well, what is it about a young person? You guys remember when you were young? Okay, this kind of meander back. What were we? We were like these wild stallions, man. We were like these wild stallions that that you know to tame a young man with all the ambitions and all the testosterone and all the you know the tugs of the world and the way that it just draws him as a like a magnet. To tame a young man is a is a commendable thing, right? And I like what the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 9. It asks the question, how can a young man cleanse his way? And the Bible says, by taking heed according to your word. You see, and that's what we need. Our way would be so much cleaner if we simply took heed to the word of God. Today, even just the Lord challenging us, man. What's the problem? What's getting in the way? between you following me. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about going to church once a week. I'm not talking about you know giving 20 bucks in, in the offering or whatever the good works that you do every once in a while. I'm talking about a person who really searches their heart and they transfer ownership to God and He dictates their life what they watch on television, whether they watch television, what movies they go to, what music they listen to, what words they say, what they do with their time, the talents, their treasures, their temple, their gospel, their gang, everything it belongs to God. And it's hard to put your finger on it, but I just want to encourage you to really search your heart if there's any doubt to whom you belong then you need to settle that. and You need to make a firm decision to follow Jesus Christ. How tragic it would be if you came here every week and then when you die you went to hell. What a tragedy that would be. And yet my fear is that is the case for some of you. You really don't know the Lord. Maybe you even have a position. You're a leader. And you don't know the Lord. What's getting in the way? And whatever it is, when the Lord puts His finger on it. He says, you need to settle this. You better settle it. I encourage you to learn from our study today. A lot of times it is possessions. Oh, how trivial that is. Why would a person choose possessions over paradise? Luke chapter 12, verse 33. We read that back. When we studied chapter 12, Jesus said, Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. The treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Matthew 6:19. Jesus said, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal." He said, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." You see, we live in a very materialistic society. And I know this is a struggle for a lot of people. I was talking to my kids on the way over here this morning, you know, because we're going to see later, Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I was asking them, why do you think it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And so we're talking about this. And a lot of things came up, but a couple of things kind of really surfaced above the others. Number one, when you're rich, which a lot of us here are rich in comparison to the rest of the world, You don't need God, so to speak, you know? you got everything. You don't have to pray for how are you going to make it through the day. You have everything you need. You don't have to pray, you know, how are you going to keep a roof over your head or food on the table or clothes on your kid's back. Why? Because you're rich. A lot of times the rich man, he doesn't think he needs God because he's got everything. The poor man, he's praying, Lord, give me a job, Lord, help me, right? That's one thing. Another thing is this, I think that the rich man can be very easily distracted with money and the things that money can buy, right? And what we see is, you know, you get some money, you get multiple homes, multiple headaches, right? You begin to... Get all that money, and then you gotta manage the money, and you gotta manage all the things that you buy, and they vie for your time and attention. Time and attention that used to belong to God. And the Bible says that this seed fell on a crowded heart, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word and it became unfruitful. That's why, you know, there's a word to the religious. And there's a, a word to the, to the rich. Things that we really have to pay attention to. And we have to search our heart. You know, here we see this rich man right here it comes to Jesus. And the Lord says, well, this is what you need to do. Sell everything you have. And I encourage you guys, just if you do an experiment. Do you guys remember experiments? Experiments are kind of cool. Uh, go to the lab, okay? Go to the spiritual lab, okay? And do this, you guys. Sell something. Just, just sell something. I don't know what it would be. Um, so maybe something that, you know, you, you have, you like, but maybe you don't need it. Or maybe it's something that you do like. I encourage you, just do this. Sell it. Get the money. Open up an eBay account. I don't know. Somehow you do it right. Put it on the street for sale. And then get the money and give it to the poor. Try that and watch how good it feels because of how good it is. You know, I was telling my kids and we had like a little powwow the other day and I said, man, I think for us, for me, I think the thing that really, man, it brings joy to our heart is when we give to others. You think of others and not just yourself. How many times you guys go shopping, birthday, you're going to get somebody a birthday gift and you get something for yourself instead. How many times does that happen, right? You go Christmas shopping and Oh, you know, I need one of these, right? You guys are bad, see? Try that. Why? Because we find ourselves struggling with possessions and things, and the Lord here he just wants to bring us to where we need to be. You know, here we see this rich young ruler gets a very specific and practical answer to his question. He didn't have to go to the, the scribe for interpretation. It was very simple. He came and asked, how do I get to heaven? God said, keep the commandments. Well, I've kept them. Okay, very simple. Just sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Mark says, take up your cross. And Jesus says, follow me. Very simple, right? And so you figured he would just abide. But look what happens in verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Matthew and Mark tell us he went away sorrowful. I don't know if he ever came to his senses. I sure hope so, but I know a lot of people never do. They want salvation, kind of, but on their own terms. They're not willing to surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender their life, surrender their sins. They're not willing to turn from idols, idols that they've set up in their life. Possession, a person, a passion. And then you hear God's voice. You might even sense His love and His look upon your life, telling you that if you want eternal life, you need to get rid of this or that. He or she must not be before me. Let go if you want to go to heaven. But you're not willing to let go. And what you find in the end is that it was only pretend a lot of people come to church and they want the pastor to tell them something that makes them feel good. Something that they agree with. Rather than just saying, God, give me your word. What's true? You know, There's that scripture over in Ezekiel 33 verse 31. So they came to you as people do and they sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. This guy, he comes to Jesus with the right question and Jesus gives him the right answer for him. But apparently he was just curious. He wasn't really serious. Warren Wiersbe says, This rich young ruler may be the only man in the Gospels who came to the feet of Jesus and went away worse. And when he arrives. And that can happen. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ is here. Not because of my righteousness, but because of his faithfulness and his promise and his grace and his love. And he's willing to change your life, Christian or non-Christian. He's willing to radically transform your life, your heart, if you'll let him. If you're willing to sign on the dotted line. What ends up happening, this man, he walks away very sorrowful. And So we read in verse 24, when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men, are possible with God. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I think life's hard enough. Gotta be careful that we don't pursue things on our flesh that would make life harder. Don't get me wrong. William Barclay said it's not a sin to have much wealth, but it is dangerous. To the soul. And that's why we need the Lord. Now we need to be very aware of that. For the vast majority of us here, it's better to travel light. Of course, we know not all, some of you here, you have riches and you're good stewards. God knows you can handle it. But for most of us, we would not be able to. It's hard for a rich man. Jesus speaks to the religious and he says, listen, listen. Your religion will never save you. You need to submit your life to Jesus Christ and, and be a true and total committed follower of the living, loving Lord. Walking with God. It sounds like a great deal to me. Don't let anything get in the way of that. And then he speaks to the physically rich. And he says, just be very careful with that. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle And for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of speculation. What does that mean? Some say the Greek word, you know, is like a, a big thick rope. Other people say, well, it's talking about this gate in the city. The camels would kind of bow down and go under. That didn't even really come out until the 15th century. That's not what that means. He's talking about something that was impossible. Not something that's possible. And you guys know how it is, right? You're like, man, him? Oh no, he'll never get saved. Guess what happens? Boom, God zaps him, right? Here you are today. You're addicted to heroin. You're addicted to crystal meth. And you're, you know, oh, he'll never get saved. Man, some of you here, I look at you, I'm like, man, I can't believe they got saved, man. (laughs) I look in the mirror. I can't believe that I have life. I can't believe it. I can see, I can hear, I can walk. I know the Lord. I have a relationship with God. What is it? God can do it, you guys. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You know, now in those days, the Jewish mentality was, well, if you're rich, then, you know, you're blessed and you're kind of closer to God. But you know what? That's not what the Bible teaches. A lot of people have that mistaken mentality. I think it was Rockefeller. Uh, You guys heard of that guy Rockefeller? He said, you know, riches are the equivalent of God you know, you know, speaking over my life and saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what he said, right? Blasphemy, man. You know, uh, there are some people, even in the church, they think that if you're right on, then you're going to be rich. It's not true. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible, right? So you keep praying for your son, you keep praying for your daughter, your 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 mom, your dad, that brother, that sister, that friend. Because God can do a work, right? Has the arm of the Lord been shortened? No way, man. His biceps are still big, you know. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, I'm not gonna get saved. No way, man. Watch out. <laughs> I hope and pray that today is the day you give your life to Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, right? I mean, here we see the Lord speaking to the religious. He's speaking to the rich. And then we'll close in that he speaks to those that are real. I like what we read in verse 28. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. You know, and some of you, you've done that, huh? We've left all and followed you. And so Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. If you read Matthew, uh, Peter Didn't just say we've left everything. He said, what should we get? What are we going to get? You know, Peter, right? And the Lord is so cool. The Lord is so cool. He doesn't say you shouldn't be thinking that. Although he probably shouldn't be. We serve the Lord not for, you know, what we can get from him. I, I pray that we would serve the Lord for who he is. But you want to know something? If you're real, if you're a real committed follower of Jesus Christ, you go through hard times, but you, you just rest in Him and you stay with Him. and You're faithful to Him. And you want to know something? He is going to reward you. You know Matthew again tells us that these 12 guys would have 12 thrones ruling the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we know that there's a certain element of reward through service during the Millennial Kingdom. Here Jesus says you're going to get blessed here. And there, I'm gonna bless your socks off. And so, don't lose heart. I know sometimes we live this life and we can't see it. And, you know, you're thinking, well, is it all worth it? And the Lord, I think, shares words like this because you want to know something? It is. One day, we'll be home. One of my favorite songs by Stephen Chris Chapman is, is My Heart's Cry. And he talks about, in the end of the song, how my heart's cry is that one day I'll hear those words. Well done. Good and faithful. But it's not easy. There's sacrifices. You know, the Lord right here, He talks about some interesting things. Uh, verse 29 I say to you, there's no one who's left house. For parents, or brothers, or wife, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in the present time and in the age to come, eternal life. And you're like, well, what's that all about, man? Does that mean that you can, you know, just split from your family, leave your house, you know, and, and be a pastor? No, no, that's really not what the Lord is saying, you know, but I think He is saying, you know, to be careful that you never ever come to a place in your life where you love anyone, anyone, more than you love the Lord. You know, I love my family, man. I, I love them so much. I uh, I uh try to anyways. I grew up, I didn't really have that. So when I got saved, I said, man, I love my family. I want to have family. We're tight. You know, my wife, and my son, my daughter. I love them so much. He's not saying don't love them. you got to take care of your family. you got to really take care of your family. Love them. Lead them. Pour into them. Spend time with them. Look into their eyes. Tickle them. you got to do all the things that you got to do with your family. You take care of them. But even though you love them so much, you love the Lord more. Because there are some people who love their wife or their husband or their kids more than they love God. And that's not right. We've got to love the Lord primarily in our life. There's got to be that priority. And so every once in a while, you know, you know, I and mean, for me, if I can just say this, and I know this isn't not for all of you, so don't think that I'm getting weird or anything, but You know, my wife and I were having a conversation. And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but she's like, well, you're not going to Cambodia, are you? (laughs) Baby says right there, you know. (laughs) Every once in a while, i got to leave the wife and go to where God might call me for a week. No more than two weeks. (laughs) But you guys know how it works itself out in your life. And when you're real, God will honor that. Why? Because these are the words of God. This is the Word of Jesus Christ. No, we won't do what Jesus asks us unless we realize who we are, we realize who He is. And that's important for us to understand. And let me tell you something that right now right now, if you don't do what Jesus asks of you, you will be sorry, right? And so let's all make that, 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 just that, that commitment today to follow the Lord, You know, to really uh, search our hearts and make sure that we get rid of anything that gets in the way. We deal with those things. We really allow the Lord uh, just to be everything to us. Because He is enough. Amen? He is enough. He really is. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for having the words, the writings, the We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code six two six four five four three four one four. Remember. That Jesus loves you.